We'll be going through uh, Matthew. If you want to be turning there, Matthew, we're in chapter 23. We're, it's amazing how long it's been, uh, but we're in chapter 23. And as I've said before, just for convenience sakes or just kind of a handle, we see the book of Matthew presenting Jesus uh, as the king of kings, the prophet of prophets, and the priest of priests. And we're still in that section. We already covered the uh, king of kings. Uh, and we're in the prophet of prophets, that section, and we're still there, uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew 23. And I'm going to try and cover uh, quite a number of uh, verses tonight. So I'd like to go ahead and just read it so that uh, we get a sense of it in general. This is uh, a passage that is, um, there's both anger and heartbrokenness. Of Jesus, and he. This is a absolute wonderful example of what it means to speak the truth in love. Um, he confronts the uh, religious leaders, and so it's a uh, kind of hard to to go through it. But this is Jesus, and before I start, you need to know we're gonna. I'm gonna read from verse 13 of Matthew 23, verse 13 to the end of the chapter. And before I start, verse 14 is uh, not there in many, many of the manuscripts. So it's considered uh, uh, not really part of the text. Uh, it's included here, but if you see, if you have your Bible, it's put either in uh, brackets or italicized or something, just showing that most manuscripts don't have it, okay? So I'm gonna just skip that verse and um, that's the way it just, it is. Uh, it doesn't contradict any major teachings. In fact, it kind of says kind of the same things as the rest of the passage says. So it's not a major problem like, oh, contradicts other parts of the Bible or whatever. No, it's not. So uh, let me read it. Uh, Matthew 23, starting in verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Verse 15, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you travel around on sea and land to make one proselyte. And when, you have, uh, become, when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the goal of the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the goal or the temple that sanctifies the goal? And whoever swears by an altar, that is nothing, but whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provision of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, 
you strain out a net and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. So you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are blind, build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous and say, if we had been living in those days, in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partners with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers. You serpents and brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from, the city, to, from city to city, so that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berkiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar, Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon you, upon this generation. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stone those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is, left, uh, is being left to you desolate, for I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In some way, there is a day where grace comes to an end. We don't want to think like that, but there's a time where God says, that's it. Wow. Um, Proverbs 1, Proverbs 1, if you want to be turning there, uh, because we think, oh no, God will always, God's love is always, will always, always, always be there. The grace of God will always, always be there. Well, uh, not so. Not so. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 20. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 20. Proverbs is uh, wisdom literature. And with wisdom literature, you just have to see that, you know, this is generally the case, right? Generally the case, that this is the way it goes. So wisdom, wisdom is crying out, and it's personified as if it's crying out like a human being, and it's shouting everywhere. And people refuse, refuse, refuse the wisdom. And what happens after some time? This is just amazing, right? And this is when it's very important to look at the scriptures, what God has to say, because our own mental thinking is like, no, that can't be. But God reveals truth and the way it really is. So here it is in Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 20. 
Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her saying, How long, O oh, naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused, I stretched out my hands and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish comes upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they shall not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated or filled with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive shall kill them and the complacency of fools shall destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and shall be at ease from the dread of evil. There comes a time that they will diligently seek me, but they will not find me. Isn't that a sad thing? Very sad. And in this passage in Matthew, Jesus has been presenting, presenting, presenting truth, 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 rejection, rejection, rejection. Um, what's today? Today. What's being pushed? Uh, not wisdom. Not wisdom, not righteousness. No, no. Today is hunger for fame, hunger for money, hunger for pleasure, and being promoted everywhere. Oh, famous. And that's what's being pushed, right? I mean, Nike and all those brands know exactly what they're doing, exactly what they're doing. They study, they, they, they spend millions and millions of dollars just studying the human longings, what drives humanity. And then they present this trinket gods. And we fall for it. And we fall for it. People fall for it. That's how they make billions and billions of dollars. Because they know exactly how to market and how to promote false gods. Idols, they know exactly what they're doing. Uh, again, marketers and researchers, man, they look at the human heart. Woo, buddy. They know the human heart better than Christians many times. And they know how to trick it. And so by the droves, right? Fame and money and pleasure and possessions and everything that the eye wants. And so we come to ourselves and say, well, where am I? Where am I? To ask the right questions, right? When was the last time any of us asked God for wisdom, for living for Him? 
Mm. When was the last time any of us asked God to help us um, help others? Give me wisdom so I can help others live for you. When was the last time we did that? When was the last time we were really moved by the fact that many are going to be judged and going to hell? God, give me the heart to break for those people. When was the last time I, I did that for Ask the Lord. Because you see, our values are all messed up. Um, without Jesus, so many of our friends and relatives are eternity in damnation. Am I moved by that? Am I asking God for help to, to, to love them and show them the truth? Um, when was the last time we agonized over how to share the gospel? Um, in fact, what we do remember, what we do remember, is being angry with our siblings, being angry with our parents, being angry with friends. I remember when they betrayed me. Bad. We just we know we remember that. So Jesus is confronting the Pharisees, and they pretended to be this or that, but the truth is, no, they weren't. And so he's tried and tried and tried and tried. And so as we read this, I try to summarize it, this passage from verse 13 all the way to the end of the chapter. And the Pharisees weren't living with integrity. They were not living with integrity. They were being dishonest before people, before God. And they suffered being exposed and humiliated. humiliated. Um, and Christ, the Lord was doing it with love. And how do I know that to, at the end of the passage, how, how he ends the passage? He's hurting. He's sad and there's some anger there. But most of all, he's sad. And all the, the lostness and blindness and hypocrisy. Um, and so that's what we have in this passage. That we must live honestly before God or suffer, experience humiliating exposure. In an absence of Jesus in our lives, an absence of real passion for the Lord, because we, we focus on so many other things and we miss out on really having this relationship with the Lord that we love Him and, and we want Him and we want others to know Him. Right? We, we miss out on that, which is the real life. And so this is what we have here. Jesus gives really uh, woes. And then he says, you know, because you refuse, you refuse, you're going to be filled with your own devices. You're going to be filled with that guilt. And I'm going to make sure that you get filled with that. And I want you to see that. And then he, he laments a sentence. He sentences them. And he laments over that, that, that reality. So, first of all, Looking at the details here, we have the word woe. Woe is used seven times in this passage. Woe means uh, pending misery, pending wretchedness, heartaches, heart sickness, agony coming for you, anguish, unhappiness, despair, torture, torment, pain, 
Disaster's coming for you. Woe seven times in this passage. And then the word hypocrite or hypocrites or hypocrisy seven times. Seven times. Again, if you include verse 14, that was there in the text, it's eight times. Without it, seven times. Seven times woe, seven times hypocrites or hypocrisy. Uh, the hypocrites, actor, uh, stage player. Um, it's a presentation, it's a moral and righteous counterfeit. A moral and righteous counterfeit, a pretender. Yeah. Uh, you're playing the part, but you're not the real part. <laughs> Hypocrisy. And that's what they were doing. Playing the part, but not re being real, the real part. Right? Pretenders. And then the word blind, blind, used five times. And here it's a, a mental and spiritual fog. Mental and spiritual fog. No mental or spiritual sight. And uh, these were the religious leaders. They knew the Bible. They knew the Bible. It's kind of scary. It's kind of scary. And so we have to think about, okay, what was it like? Here was Jesus confronting, denouncing the corruption of the leaders. And I think, okay, we look at the news today and there's so much corruption. There's so much, so, so many lies. It's just disgusting. Really, really disgusting. And then on top of that, nothing happens. All kinds of lies are being exposed and nothing happens. It just, I hate it. Um, can you imagine? Uh, Jesus coming today and confronting all the lies of all the corrupt leaders. Can you imagine? And then the media powerless to argue anything because Jesus just, boom, there's no way to run. Well, this is what, what happened here with the Pharisees and the scribes and the Pharisees. Here was Jesus completely exposing and they could not argue with him. Jesus was not afraid to denounce the leaders. <laughs> He had already demonstrated, remember in Matthew 21? When he's going and the fig tree had green leaves, oh, it's going to have fruit on it, and goes and there's no fruit. And Jesus just by his words curses the tree and it withers away. <laughs> Can you imagine if he would have done that with the religious leaders at the moment? He could have, he could have. But instead... We have this profound, profound ability of Jesus to speak the truth in love. Now, the truth is ugly. The truth is ugly. I mean, seven times, you hypocrites. Seven times, woe to you. But he's saying it with love. With love. Because, you see, there's no hiding from the all-seeing eyes of Jesus. There's no hiding. <laughs> he sees everything. Um, it, I mean, Jesus had already uh, exposed them. He had exposed them. 
he exposed the spiritual leadership of the nation. They were abusing their authority, misunderstanding God's word. There was a refusal to repent. They were missing who he was, none other than the promised Messiah, who is also God. Um, and that was in the, the pre- immediately previously, this paragraph uh, of uh, chapter 23, verses 1 through 12. What do we find there? Uh, the spiritual liturgy's arrogance, their arrogance he exposes and their pretension was highlighted by Jesus, right? Because in chapter 23, verse 6, they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by men. Utter, complete arrogance and pretension. And Jesus had exposed this. Uh, You know, and now Jesus is going to talk about their hypocrisy, their lack of integrity, um, and then pronounce judgment on them. That's what's now happening in this passage here. It's just <laughs> amazing, again, that Jesus is not afraid. So there's, you know, there's a lot of details that it would take a long, long time to go over all of them. So I'm going to kind of summarize each uh Three sections of this woes, uh, verses 13 through 15, uh, 16 through 22, and 23 to 33. And in each one, I'm going to point out the hypocrisy. I'm going to point out the motivation in each one of those hypocrisies. And then the sin that was involved in each one of those hypocrisies. Right? Again, they're pretending to be something that they're not. Appearing to be something and showing something that they're not. So the first thing, the first... Uh, Verses 13 through 15, what was the hypocrisy? If you look carefully, it was fake ministry for saving others. Fake ministry for saving others. You you shut the kingdom of heaven to everybody else. You, You won't enter yourself and then keep them from entering. And then, you know, you go out there trying to find a proselyte. And by, by proselyte, like uh, a disciple. And, and the Judaizers, the, the, the Judaism of that day, it was very, very, very hard for someone to become a, a Jew because they were demanding, number one, you have to get circumcised. And number two, you better keep the whole law, the whole law, everything, strict, strict, strict. Well, who's going to do that? So they worked hard, hard to make one Disciple, proselyte. And then he says, when you do, you make him twice the son of hell. Like, whoa. <laughs> and what is this? That, that, was a, that was a hypocrisy. Fake ministry to, to save people. Right? What was the motivation? Here's the motivation. Use people for self. Use people for self. It was a bad practice and bad teachings. But the purpose was so that those disciples would be dependent on them. That was, that was the, the motivation, right? Uh, the Apostle Paul says in Galatians that the false teachers were seeking the Galatians 
to shut you out, you, you members, so that now you have to depend on us because we're the experts, you see. So they were using, they were proselytizing only for the proselyte to become dependent on them. That was the motivation. And what was the sin? Well, misleading people. Misleading people concerning God and God's saving works. Right? And this, this happens all the time. This it still happens today. Right? Let me get people dependent on me. And let me teach them certain things so they depend on me. Rather than the word of God and the, the Jesus Christ. And that's what they were doing. Fake ministry for saving others with their hypocrisy. Motivation, use people for self. The sin misleading people concerning God and God's saving word. Kind of blasphemy. That's what Jesus was pointing out when he said 13 and 15. Woe to you. Heartache is coming to you. Torture may be coming to you because you are blaspheming. You're misusing the word of God. You're misusing my saving works. That was the first one. 16 through 22. This is where the oath and swear by the gold. No, swear by the sanctuary. Swear by this and by that. No, no, no. This one. What are they getting at? What was the hypocrisy? Miss, there were fake guides of what is sacred. Fake guides of what is sacred. What is of God. That was a, well, no. If you swear by the temple, no. If you swear by the gold in the temple, ooh, now you're, you're obligated. Now you have to afford. But if not, well, you know, that's, that doesn't count. And uh, so forth. Not by the altar, but the sacrifice. And manipulation, manipulation, manipulation. So they could get out of the, their own obligations by maneuvering and saying all these swear things. Right? And Jesus says, man, you are blind. You have no real spiritual insight. And your morality is so bad. They were being fake guides of the sacred, what is of God. What was their motivation? Listen, what was their motivation? Using the sacred for self. What does that spell? Using religion for self. Using religion for self. That's what it amounts to. That was their motivation. I'm going to use the Bible, the church, the Torah, the temple, whatever, and I can extract something from it. And if I have to use these words and manipulate here and there, I'll do it. Because I'm going to benefit from it. That was their motivation. <laughs> Uh, verse 17, he says, you fools and blinds. Not only does he call him fool, uh, blind, but fools. And the word there is stupid. No brain. You're not even thinking straight, man. I mean, and that's what was happening. Extract from the sacred for what benefits the institution and self. What was the sin? Misrepresenting God. 
for all that's connected, everything is connected to God. Basically, Jesus says, I mean, how blind are you? What sanctifies the gold? What sanctifies? I mean, it's God. Even when you swear by heaven, who's the owner of heaven? God. So when you make an oath, man, don't you know that you're invoking God? I mean, how blind can you be to distinguish from the altar, from the gold, and the stupid fools? Wow. I mean, it's right there. I'm not making it up. Look, 17. That was their sin, misrepresenting God for all. Everything's connected to God, but they were misrepresenting God. That's pretty heavy, man. That's pretty heavy. And then the last one, verses 23 to 33, what's there? Fake righteousness. Fake righteousness. Um, on and on and on, verse 23, verse 24. Oh, we tithe. Even our spices, we, try, we tithe. Whoa, <laughs> spiritual. And you're neglecting the weightier matters of the law. What are the weightier matters? Justice and mercy and faithfulness. You're not doing those. You're doing the right behavior. But the heart issues, are they not the heart issues? Mercy, right? Justice, faithfulness. It's the attitude inside, the heart. All the right behavior, man. But your spirit is far from me. And Jesus, this is the leaders, man. He, <laughs> he wasn't playing around. Uh, Verse 30, oh man, if we would have been there during our fathers, we wouldn't have done what they've done. Oh, they were your fathers. So you're claiming to be the sons of the murderers. You've got the same nature, man. How blind can you be saying those things? Wow, wow. So, that was his, their hypocrisy, fake righteousness. What was their motivation? Appearing righteous. That was their motivation. Externally clean. Clean the outside of the cup. Whitewashing the tombs and decorating them. Ooh, the prophet. Ooh, the prophet. Ooh, and then we're righteous. We're, we're honoring the prophets. Yeah, but your sons are the ones that murdered them. And they refuse, they refuse to repent. What was their sin? Unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. Neglecting the weightier matters of the law. In verse 25 is robbery and self-indulgence. Verse 27, unclean before God. Verse 28, lawlessness. Verse 31, murder. Be honest about what's in your heart. Because if you don't, I will expose it publicly. <clears throat> That's why we say, uh, Psalm 32, blessed is he whose sins are covered. Covered by who? 
Self, nah, that the Lord covers. How does he cover us? By the sheer grace of God, ultimately demonstrated by Jesus himself dying for our sins. From the very beginning, from Adam and Eve, how did God cover them? With leather clothing. Where does leather clothing come from? Animals. An animal had to be sacrificed, if not more than one, to cover them, cover their shame. And praise be to God that we are covered by the blood of Jesus. You see. But they just covered their ugliness themselves, their uncleanness. That's, that's their sin, unrighteousness, right? And so then Jesus says, you know what? Uh, let's fill up your guilt. Let's fill up your guilt. And so now he goes on, and that's basically what he says in verse 32. Fill up then the measure of the guilt of your fathers. You serpents, you brood of vipers. I mean, serpents? Brood of vipers? What does that remind you of? Satan in the Garden of Eden? Basically say, you're satanic. You're satanic. Now fill up your measure of your guilt. How will you escape the sentence of hell? God, Jesus is like, whoo! And he was talking to the Supreme Court of the time. Wow. Wow. And how, how, how is it that they're going to measure the fullness of their guilt? Well, you know what? Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute them city to city. Uh, you're just going to fill up. You know what? And you know, he, he's referring to the apostles. He's referring now that his disciples are going to send them to them. And what happened to the apostles? Some were crucified. Some were persecuted. I mean, this is what happened to them. Right? And just going to show the further guilt because I am here. I am Messiah. I am God. And I've shown you and shown you and shown you. And you reject, reject, reject. And you refuse to repent. After I've shown you, I've shown you that you've error all the time with the word of God and you have erred in who I am. I am Messiah. I am God. And you refuse. Fill up the measure of your guilt. This is what you're going to do. I'm going to send you more prophets, more wise men, and you're going to crucify them. Some of you were scourged. So that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth. From the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Those were the two murders, the first and the last, and all in between. From righteous Abel, Cain killing Abel, remember? In Second Chronicles, we have the last murder. Uh, this is not the prophet Zechariah, but Zechariah, the son of Berkiah, it was the first and last murder of the Old Testament. Uh, several things there. One, first of all, Jesus is acknowledging that the Word of God is real and literal. Literal is not, you know, some 
illustration or allegory. No, no, no. It's real. But you're going to be guilty of all the murders. Go on, fill it up. That's what he's saying. So that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood. Uh, Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. You know, we don't have Jesus in the flesh. Right? They did. He showed up. In person. God himself. So all the more. Why they are especially full of guilt. In this generation he says. Right now. And that's what happened right. When Jesus died. Was crucified. Rose again from the dead. He commissioned his disciples. Apostles. And that same generation. Killed and crucified. Disciples. Apostles. That's what he's saying. Now, he's speaking truth. Jesus is speaking truth, but he's speaking it with love, even though there's some anger there too. Why? Because he's love. He's love. And how can I tell that? Because of the way he says the next verse. Look at the next verse. In verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills them. That repetition of Jerusalem. Expression of a lot of emotion, a lot of hurt. You know, when you love someone and you do for them and you do for them and they reject, 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 it's like, oh, that hurts. And nothing more than the, an example of a lover who loves the per other person. They try and they try and they try and then they go to somebody else. Ah, oh, the hurt. Well, Jesus is saying, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Who kills the prophet. Stones those who have been sent to her. Yeah, I know the truth about you. But look how I often I wanted to gather your children together. The way a, a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. There's a story told of a farmer. Had animals, all kinds of animals. And every night he'd store them in the barn. Chickens, pigs, everything. One day, a huge fire broke out. And all the animals dead. He went in the morning, couldn't save anything. He saw a chicken. Just kind of kicked it with the boot. Out came the chicks, alive. The mother hen had covered the chicks. And Jesus said, man, how I wanted to gather you like a chicken gatherer chicks. You were unwilling, willing, willing. A choice, a decision that is made. It's not about performing all kinds of, it's a decision that you make. Whether you're going to trust, follow Jesus, or not. You were unwilling the issues of the will. And then he pronounces a judgment on them. He pronounces a judgment. And it's very 
very important that we catch exactly what the judgment is. Very important. Look at it. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. Desolate, empty, worthless, vain, of no good. Now, exactly what does that desolation mean? Our house is going to burn down? Our bank account is going to go? No. No. Look at exactly what it means. Verse 39. For I say to you, from now on you will see me no more. The desolation is the absence of Jesus. The absence of God. Mm. We can have all kinds of things, all kinds of success. But without Jesus, a connection with Jesus, nah, desolation, desolation. Because from now on, you will see me no more. Now, he throws in there a glimmer of little hope, a little like, well, maybe. And what is that? Until you cry out, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And as a nation, we know, Romans 9, that God is going to regraft the Jews, the Jewish nation, his people. But to this generation, your house is going to be left desolate. Because... You will see me no more. Wow. Wow. And so in our own lives to say, oh, to what degree am I connected to Jesus that I really uh, want to live for him? Ask him for help. Ask him for, Lord, let me be part of your kingdom, what you're doing. You're loving people. You want them to hear the gospel. Lord, help me because I'm tired or I'm afraid or I'm, I'm stupid. I'm arrogant. I'm, I'm ignorant. Whatever it is, Lord, take it away. I want to be a part of what you're doing, Lord. Help me. Because to the degree that we don't connect with Jesus, desolation, emptiness. That's the reality. That's what Jesus is telling the religious leaders. Um, so, for us practically, I think one of the things, the first application is this. We need to be in touch and upset with our nation of the moral bankruptcy and weep and pray for America, especially the superficial Christianity that we're experiencing. A superficial Christianity is like, no, no, no. Oh my goodness. They're experiencing what the leaders were experiencing when Jesus confronted them. Right? In Matthew 7, remember? 
Lord, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. Lord, Lord, get out of here. I never knew you. Mm. We better get in touch and weep and really have Jesus' values. But we need his help, no? We need his help because we so easily forget. And we so easily go after trinket gods, idols. So be in touch and upset over all the darkness that's upon us. And there's a lot, a lot of darkness. My goodness, the child trafficking, homosexuality. And again, we're no better than anybody else. We're sinners. We, we deserve hell. But it's, it's not about being better than them. It's about look at the, the, the consequences. The incredible suffering of so many people, young people especially. My, 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 my. Instead, we're, you know, concerned with stuff. Stuff. Um, so that's the first application. The second is, you know, we see Jesus addressing the hypocrisy. We see Jesus addressing the uh, abuse of religious leaders. So when somebody complains that uh, Christians have hypocritically hurt them, burned by the church or something, uh, we see that Jesus is going to, to deal with this. Jesus is not blind. You can tell that person has been hurt. Jesus is not blind. He knows. He sees how the religious leaders were abusive. He's going to deal with it. Be comforted that justice is coming. Um, Jesus is not afraid. And he will confront those that abuse. Their authority, their religious authority, especially their spiritual. People depend on these people and... It's, it's real sad because they are misleading so, so many. I was just told by a young man uh, just this morning, just this morning. I was told by a young man that uh, he was at a church and, well, he was, they wanted more or something than that was being presented. And they, they just started a Bible study. He just started a Bible study, not, not against the leadership or nothing. He just, they wanted more. Well, when the leadership found out that he was having a Bible study, they began to, you know, just push him aside and call names and so forth. They're like, what? Somebody wants to have a Bible study and you begin to ostracize them? Wow. Wow. So, again, for those that have been burned or hurt by the church, by other Christians, it's like, don't give up, man. Follow the Lord because he will deal with the abusive situation. Uh, final application, which I have said over and over in many different places. Um, to be honest about what's really inside the heart. Uh, Psalm 51, verse 6. Psalm 51, verse 6. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Behold, you desire truth. It's like, what, God? You want really the truth of what's in there? I don't want to go there. It's ugly in there. <laughs> I don't want to go there. And like, Behold, you want truth in the innermost being? But surprisingly, the second part of the verse is, but that's the very place where you're going to give me grace and wisdom. When I be honest about what's really there. And that's what David experienced. He had committed murder and adultery. And he, you know, hid for a while until Nathan confronted him. And then when he repented, he's like, my goodness, Lord. I thought for sure as I was going to get killed. 
But in fact, you gave me grace, being honest about what's really, really there. Uh, there's a story told about this massive, massive oak tree uh, that somebody had, huge, huge oak tree, and a whole tree is like solid, right? Well, one day this strong wind came and toppled over this massive tree. But when it toppled over, they saw the oak tree was rotten to the core, completely rotten on the inside. And so when it fell, it's like, wow, wow. And so Jesus is exposing this rotten oak tree of the religious leaders. And, you know, in uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 and following, uh, again, I've covered this passage a number of times, but Jesus or the apostle John says, look, the message we got is that in him is light and there's no darkness at all. And we need to, we need to walk in the light so that we can have fellowship with him. But when we walk in the light, our sins are going to be exposed. But right away, he says, but the blood of Christ cleanses us from all our sins. Right? And then he goes on to say, if we say we have no sin, we lie, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see? So walking in, with integrity before God, acknowledging that we're going to sin, that maybe we have sinned right now, and say, Lord, here's the truth. Here's the truth, Lord. I mistreated my spouse. I mistreated my children. I misled. I gave into temptation. I did whatever. I, I, I lied. I, I mistreated somebody. Whatever the truth is there, Lord, here it is. And that's how we gain fellowship with God and with one another, by the way. With one another. Those are the deepest, one, most wonderful relationships. When there's honesty, right? And when we speak the truth in love, not just speak the truth like a sword, it can be like that when somebody refuses and refuses and refuses like Jesus did with the scribes and Pharisees. But most of the time it's like with love, with gentleness. This, you know, uh, it's what's needed. Jesus is God. And Jesus has shown us the pattern of how to live. And he's calling us to himself. But we must live with integrity. We must live with integrity. It's scary. But praise be to God for the gospel, right? Praise be to God that we have an attorney on our side that pleads our case every time that we're guilty, but he took the price to pay for our guilt. Jesus the righteous.